Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Tune the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk, but in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. Abin, yeah, this is the Black Country Blokes, tuning the fact about everything it is, mental health, disability, and life in general. Here with me, Kev Dillon, and my partner in crime, as always, Lee Cabman. And we're joined today by James from Just Straight Talk. Now, I've had James on before on our radio show on Black Country Extra, but we thought we'd get you back on. So thank you, James, for coming on, first of all, brother. Absolute pleasure. I had a really good chat last time and the time raced by. I'm sure it went uh, about an hour before we forgot to, uh, well, we remembered we hadn't played any of the songs because <laughs> we were just engrossed in the chat, weren't we? So, yeah, yeah cheers for the invite. Well, as always, we're going to get into our gratitude list. Now, I had a, a colourful weekend, let's say. I had one of my lads, uh, Super Sammy Robinson, in the pre-quarters, so we all travelled down there. And once again, incompetent, bad refereeing, a man who should be banned from the game, uh, stopped the contest for us uh, with three seconds to go. Shameful man. I hope he has a very short life in amateur boxing. And you get to the gratitude now. <laughs> no, but, but this is what I was that angry about it. But I've been doing some work with um, Emily Barney under uh, uh, Positive Thinking. And this is why I love this show, because... Emily's always been such a massive um, support for the show. And she's got me writing down what good happens, and I, I try to do it every day. But I just did the weekend summary, and it was that one incident of a stupid official could easily ruin your whole outlook. But that was just one incident. And I was writing down what actually did happen. I had one of my best friends in the world, Josh, who one of my coaches, come down, and little Sammy was there and hit Sammy box brilliantly, absolutely phenomenal. I got to know his dad more. And before you know it, there were so many wonderful aspects of the weekend, but you choose to focus on the one bad thing. So I'm grateful in mental growth and being aware of it wasn't a bad weekend. It was just one bad incident of a great weekend. So I'm, I'm grateful for mental growth and the, the tools that allow you to get better and move on from bad experiences. What are you grateful for? Well, uh, it's a bit preemptive, but I'm grateful that hopefully, I think I've said this a few weeks now, hopefully we'll have the keys to our new place tomorrow. So, yeah, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that we're kind of at the end of that journey of struggle mm. to get to this point. And um, I'm just looking forward to getting the keys and uh, getting in there. It's the stress... Of getting it, but then it's positive kind of stress because it, it's doable stress, then isn't it? It's controllable stress. Well, that's it, yeah. I mean, it's decorating and whatnot, which you just get stuck in, don't you? And it's yeah. something you can um, you can control, yeah. Basically, you can control, I can get in there and get it done and, and get out there. I'm not relying on other other people to, to get me to that point, mm. yeah. Joe's, what are you grateful for, bro? Um, I'm grateful for being sober. Um, I'm now three years, three months, and I think it's three days sober. Um, and well done. Cheers. And yeah, it, uh, it allows me a um, sense of clarity. It's like the world's in high definition again. My new project, which I'm sure we'll speak about in a bit, is uh, five weeks in. And I'm grateful as well that 
it started as well as I could have possibly imagined. It feels like I've put about 20 weeks work into those five weeks, but yeah, um, yeah it's really rewarding and being able to give advice to other problem drinkers who are struggling with where they are and yeah, they're slowly bettering themselves, improving their lives. And yeah, grateful for all of that combined. It's just, yeah, from that decision I made to put down the drink, just yeah, every aspect of life improves. So yeah, that's where the gratefulness stems and that's where it flows. All good. And for Mario Kart. I'm good at Mario Kart as well. Yeah. You're grateful for it. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to have a game on today. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so, do you want to, it's your show, you lead us anyway. Do you want to start with Just Straight Talk first? What What is this? Yeah, so um, Just Straight Talk is a community interest company. Um, it's based in Coesley, but we also have uh, an office in uh, West Bromwich. Uh, it's got many different projects which um, is out there to help different demographics in the area so Dully and Samwell help people improve their lives um, my project is to help people who have problematic relationship with uh, alcohol uh, we've got a project called yours truly which helps um, carers um, who um, maybe neglect looking after themselves because they put all their energy and their love into looking after their loved ones who they cared for so that's one of the projects uh, we've got Digidully, which is a project that helps uh, people 65 plus um with their digital skills um we've got a new project called platform which is funded by the national lottery which is uh to help people in both uh samuel and dully to uh improve their confidence improve their well-being get out to tackle isolation which you guys do with the uh the gym as well and yes yeah, so there's some of our projects we've got a new project starting called uk can which is to um help uh, ladies from Ukraine try and settle in the country and find work and, uh, you know, improve their lives as much as they can over here. And, uh, yeah, my project Full Circle Plus, which is built upon my past experience, lived experience of uh, struggling with drink, but being able to improve my life in some areas. And previously I was on the Bridges Project, which was helping vulnerable adults 25 plus to improve their lives, leading into work, training or you know any areas that they wanted to um overcoming barriers and just seeing if they could um thrive at life really and um my experience on that for two years or so mixed with my life experience has sort of given birth to what i'm focusing on at the moment which is an eight-month project um called full circle plus funded by the uh, nhs uh, icb the integrated care board and wcvs and yeah it's only a pilot but um we're chatting to all the right people we're getting some really good referrals already having some really good results so far with the participants i'm working with even after only five weeks people are really taken to it and i think it's because because i've got that lived experience it's almost like the the barrier that some addicts have of you don't know anything about me you know how can you tell me what to do almost dissipates and it's like okay you've, you've been there let's get to it let's try and see what i can do to improve my life so well we had ben on uh, the other week didn't we yeah. and we, we always say lived experience is so valid instead of just i've read a book on alcoholism <laughs> or narcotics or prostitution or what it's i've been there so i look at you as someone who's been there not as someone who judges you mm. oh yes yeah, okay. absolute um non-judgmental um it wasn't so long ago that I was unemployed at the job center, you know, I was unemployed for four years up until about two and a half years ago. 
Um, and my project is called Full Circle Plus, but a lot of the things that I'm living at the moment in my project are almost uh, embodying that sort of full circle plusness because, for example, I was um, at the job centre unemployed. Um, I was going to my work coach and I'd be like, have you been drinking, James? I'd be like, how dare you accuse me? I had, but, um, mm. you know, so I've gone from being the drunk going up, uh, not wanting to get sanctioned, but, you know, hiding my true self from my work coach um, to sobering up and improving myself. And now I go to a house owning job centre and stay with job centre um, every week or every other week to see their participants. And the work coaches are asking me advice on their participants. Like, we've got this person, we think he might be drinking or we think he might have problems. Will you speak to him? What would you do? What's the best way to approach him? So I'm almost being like, a drinking consultant in a way to mm. professionals because um because it wasn't so long ago i still know exactly what i'd be doing if i was drinking i still think like a an alcoholic i've still got that part of my brain i just don't let it win anymore i just let that take the back seat but it still gives me um a sort of a, a competitive edge and because i know what i would do in those circumstances mm. it means that i can maybe spot it and spot problems in other people and other scenarios. So I think it makes me very self-aware and yeah, quite good at my job at helping people who are struggling. But I think one of the things that I never realized when I was drinking is people who drink a lot and people who do other sort of substances, they don't realize how vulnerable they make themselves and how much they're taken advantage of by other people and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And if I see sort of that with any of my participants, we've got to try and help them put their boundaries up and help them improve themselves first and not be bled dry by the needs of other people who aren't there to try and help them. But yeah, you said that, it's right. You'll, you'll always have that guy, it's, it's always his round. He'll walk in and he's happy to buy everyone the drinks or buy everyone the drugs, stay out, and that becomes like his persona. But really, he's almost having to buy... Friendship. Buy friendship, yeah. I think it goes further than that as well, Kevin. I was speaking to someone the other day. I don't want to mention names, but... um. His brother is a drug addict and he'll go to work, do a eight, twelve hour shift for fifteen quid for someone. Mm. And it's all like who in the who in the right mind has a worth of the self for fifteen pound for twelve right. hours work or eight hours work. Mm. And it's only the drugs that you, or that want for the drug that makes you believe that's your worth. Mm. It, it definitely gets its grips and its claws into your your, your mind and it's it's an amazing feeling like, you know, when you get sober for 30 days or so to have the, the hold, um, sort of like loosen so that you can actually realize what your self worth is and actually what, what your brain would want to feel and what to think without the influence of the alcohol or the drugs. Um, I think one of the things that helped me to sober up was that I only decided, I only planned to do it for a hundred days because after a hundred days, I then reassess see if I wanted to go back to it by 100 days it was out my system so I can make decisions clearly um but I do think for a lot of people who have drank for a long time and are struggling with drinking forever's too long they hear that they're never going to be able to drink again and they don't start and they just won't be able to it's too overwhelming for them at that point so I'd recommend just try 30 days try 100 days they're big they're big time frames for people who've drank like for a lot of their life but they're achievable um Safely, of course, like if you've drank loads consistently, get medical advice or, you know, wean off. But, um, yeah, 
I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go forever. Forever's too long. I think sometimes like when you get sober as well. Sometimes like like we were saying about exercise, sometimes the first bit is yeah man, I'm into it. <laughs> I'm into it, I'm buzzing there, boom, I've done it. And it's oh treat myself. You know, I'll just have one. And one in my experience, one's too many, a hundred's not enough. And you, you find yourself doing that and then before you know you're back into the habit of it. And sometimes it's avoidance, isn't it? I stay drunk or intoxicated because I'm not wanting to deal with feelings or sometimes I don't even know who I really am without the substance. You know, I like being a party guy. I like doing this. I like doing that. But a lot of it is just distraction, isn't it? Yeah, it's, um, it's almost like a vicious cycle, I think, like um, by by drinking or becoming your drunk persona, you actually get further from your true self. And I think that's why people struggle when they're when they're then sober, they they're almost like bland and they feel mm. like they have to drink to be colourful and liked and you know, that sort of thing. And I do think the more you do substance, the more you you find it difficult because it's almost like you're two different people and because you prefer your drunk, bubbly, charismatic, charming self or how you perceive it when you're sober and hungover and depressed. Um, when I was when I was at university, when I was 18, life was life was awesome. You know, I'd go out, girls were like me, I'd be drinking, I'd be up in the morning, I'd still go to my courses and still pass my assignments. And it was it was great. And ten years later, I was drinking to try and get that feeling. Mm. Um, you know, but the more and more I drank, the further I got away from that. And the the big trick is I drank for 10, 15 years trying to get the same feeling I had when I was young and, you know, energetic and had charisma or whatever. The big trick was all I had to do to get back to that was stop drinking mm. because drinking had warped my memories. Those feelings were just because I was around good people and good friends. It wasn't anything to do with the alcohol. Yeah. Whereas when I cut down the alcohol completely, um, I saw that, it was my friendships that made me remember those times and now I can create friendships without needing the crutch of alcohol. So I'm, I'm creating uh, really good friendships, but I'm also creating really healthy boundaries. Um, and it just puts me in a, a much, much healthier place. So yeah, the biggest trick alcohol ever played on me was that I needed it to get back to who I wanted to be when all I needed to do was just stop. And that makes complete sense because I, yeah. yeah, it's, um, I think that's I was speaking to a good friend of mine today who came into the shop and who I grew up with and uh, and you do, you do even now I associate well we had a good time we were drinking we were doing that but actually you don't really remember what you were drinking what you do remember is what happened that funny thing that happened or this or that it's not it's nothing to do at all is it with the with the drink and and a lot of them may have been funny with or without it it's just you do associate it with that because that's what you were doing at the time absolutely and I. I unfortunate um because unlike some people who stop drinking i've after about the fifth day i've never had cravings so i can still i can still go to pubs and drink alcohol free beers and it's cool because i can i can still go out with people still watch them getting drunk and having fun and it's fine i've got no problem with anyone who drinks um and the good thing about not drinking is i know when it stops being fun i know when to leave um because you hear about all the nightmare stories of people, well, 
loads happen to me yeah. of when it gets well we're, too, we've all, like, we've, too far, we've all yeah. been there we? we've all had, had too much and done that and it's um it's one of i think it's something in life that you do have to, have to experience and but mm. as you say like i think about myself now and uh even previous when i was having drank in i don't know how long now but when you where you know at this point now you're exactly the same you, you see when the party's starting to go wrong and you get out of there don't you yeah and it's all it's quite cool in a way as well because um it's almost like I've, I've got the clear the clarity and if my friends are like in bad places or i think there's going to be an issues so i'll try and make sure they get home okay or you know if anyone seems a bit iffy who's chatting to someone or you know i think things could go sour you know just just raise it and mm. you know because you hear loads of horror stories don't you about people on nights out who get themselves in situations they don't remember or when they're not at their full control and you know if i'm there and witness something like that i'll try and help as well because like you come from uh, your, your family were drinkers weren't they yeah i think that's how it started we've done it going to yeah bit, uh, your family sure um my granddad was an alcoholic so he passed away from it um don't know too much but I'm pretty sure like the top half the top half of his body sort of exploded um which apparently is very nice um my dad was an alcoholic who i sobered up um just over three years ago and the first nine months of my sobriety um i was a carer for my dad who um drank himself to death basically and i've seen what it looks like at the end for me if i carry on drinking i've, I've seen like the, the end of the road the end of the path it takes and it's not pretty to be fair um spoke to my dad before he passed away and he gave me his permission um to talk about the truth of what happens at the end of addiction so i'm not saying anything to um bad mouth him or to um dishonor his memory because i've got so much time and respect for what he's made me um but i don't want to glamorize alcohol because it's horrible um i was coming home from work and you have to remember i'm, I'm newly sober I'm, I'm say three or four months sober i'm having to administer my dad's whiskey because he couldn't be trusted to administer his own whiskey himself because he'd fall over and face plant the floor and bleed and pass out and wouldn't be able to get up um so yeah and um, i'll be coming home from work and yeah my first job in four years i'm trying to stay sober difficult enough as it is caring for my dad and my first thoughts are okay is my dad dead okay not he's not dead okay that's cool okay how much is this shit himself okay how are we going to sort this out and yeah it's um it's quite sad because he did try and cut down drinking a little bit towards the end mm -hmm. um alcohol's like i call it a, like a succubus like some sort of like seductive sort of demoness and it sort of like charmed him and um took over his mind really he pushed away all his friends and family people didn't want to be around him and then at the end when he was really weak um he was too weak to even lift the bottle to his lips and that's when alcohol's literally stripped you of everything and it's mm. laughing back at you and says i've taken everything away from you but now you can't even have me and mm. you know i think there's something symbolic there that's you know absolutely horrible for just the way it's so positively advertised alcohol in the uk uh, you're seeing on like two sort of levels 
there's the rooftop parties where everyone's beautiful and glamorous and it's having the time of their life they've all got like you know teeth so bright you can see your reflections in it and they're all charming and it's amazing and then there's the dudes in um, the bus stops who are pissing on themselves and you know just just left to rot basically and no one talks about the people in the middle as it's like going from one side to the other now it's only probably 10 percent or 15 percent of people who have the sort of addictive personality that could lead to you know the end result which is you're going to die from alcohol and it's going to be horrible you're going to be on your own you're going to push away your family and all your loved ones and um but the role of my project is to hopefully help people who are at the point where they know they've got a problem they're probably going to die from alcohol if they don't do something about it let's see if i can use some of my experience to try and help direct them away from that end result because i got to sort of like the fork in the road as i say it. i looked over the precipice i was close to death um we wouldn't be having this conversation if i was still drinking one i wouldn't be trustworthy two i'd be dead um so i wouldn't be in my career and i probably still wouldn't be alive um so yeah i just turned away and since then i've been improving my life in every area so to care if i just and um, yeah i just ran a marathon uh, 16 miles this weekend in preparation for a marathon got ridiculously um healthy heart health and it just shows until what i've coined the, like the point of no return of, of alcohol which is where your body's gonna die from alcohol whether you stop or not unfortunately it's amazing how resilient your body is and how it can turn mm. things around and heal to some degree and stuff like it's only three years or so since i've sobered up and yeah it's just can I ask, do you do you use your your dad's not use it's the wrong word but you do you tell your dad's story to the people you're you're helping as well or is that not? um i sort of share um the amounts that um I think will benefit them in their journey if they mm. need to. I suppose everyone's yeah. different. All I was thinking, because that, that would potentially be enough to scare some people straight. Yeah. But that's some people, and it's whether you, you'd be comfortable, obviously, doing that. But other people, I suppose they're that in that grip of addiction that it really... In a way, I think um, I'm quite good at this sort of job because um i've been the active addict i've been the guy struggling to get sober i've been the guy in early sobriety i've been a carer of an addict i've been um you know the son of an addict um so yeah i've, I've seen all those sort of like avenues of it so it sort of adds quite a bit of credibility in a way that i've got all those different aspects of it to try and pick experiences from and it's almost like going to university and doing 20 years on the job kind of experience, <laughs> oh, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, there's, there's a lot in there. And it's just, if I see anything that, um, you know, whether there's parallels or similarities or I've got any tips because of my experience or from what I saw, my dad's decline and stuff like that, I'll, I'll see if I can pick those nuggets and, you know, speak to them about it because there's no right or wrong way to... Um, get sober and um yeah it's I, I could say something to some of my participants and i could say a hundred different things one might stick but it might not stick now it might stick to it might come back to them in 10 mm. years time and i've still done my job because mm. i knew for 10 years i had i needed to sober up i i knew how to i knew what alcohol was doing to me it didn't really didn't mean i was able to 
the only person who can decide to sober up is the person themselves and some people aren't able to right i gave my dad all the tools he uh, would have required to have sobered up um i was sort of like the example of how to do it and i thought you know dad follow me you know if you do this we go get the exercise you, you eat more you've got your four to sip so that'll build up your nutrition and your protein and stuff like that um but my dad was um I think when I sobered up and my brother and sister were doing well, it had the opposite effect. My dad was happy because he was such in the grips of addiction. He was happy to pass on because he knew we were all okay mm-hmm. instead of trying to better himself. But I don't think he ever believed that he'd get better. And something that I'm actually is embedded in the project I'm doing because of this reason, my dad always used to say that... Um, he'll start doing things when he felt better. Mm. But, you know, if you drink and you, you, you're not going to wake up one day and feel better, you mm. need to actively put the hard work in to feel better, which is cut down the drinking, try and, you know, do the exercise. He, he was struggling to walk. I was trying to, I was walking with him up to the, you know, the end of the road and then the next day was a bit further up to the bin by the shop and then it was, we'll try and walk to the shop. And after three days of that, he's like, I can't do it. I'll, I feel too ill. I'll, I'll do it when I feel better. Um, and it's like, you know, with cutting down the drinking and with anxiety and, you know, depression and stuff like that, you're not going to wake up one day and have all the skills. You have to push through to the skills. I was saying to you, like, I'm an introvert. This is so far out of my comfort zone and I've done it three times and it's gone, it's gone well and... You know, I've got a story to tell and hopefully if there's one person out there who hears this and, you know, it hits on a level somewhere or they want to reach out to me at the, the website or through any of the links, they're more than welcome to. It's um, putting things into practice and practicing the things that you're good at. We were saying something off air earlier, we said we both had to come back on to it. It's something to do fall back on, even like, you know, just like brushing your teeth, we said. Yeah. You know, some things that you do, some people when you're having real bad base of depression, or addiction even the fourth like brushing your teeth or having a wash mm. is so foreign to some people or some people no matter how rotten they feel they've got to brush the teeth even if they've had 70 fags uh, a bottle of whiskey but they still <laughs> need to start the day by having a swill and brushing their teeth or you know people go and do lots of drugs and stay up on our drinking but they've got to go and have some breakfast before they do anything else for the rest of the day where some people will go four days solid without any nourishment at all yeah it's um i think everyone has like very particular relationships with their um drugs of choice and their substances but you'll you'll find a lot of people who drink and a lot of people who do drugs they have rules however arbitrary they might seem so Mm. some people you've probably heard i won't drink before 12 or i only drink in the pub or you know i only only drink around friends or where my friends are around so there's there's reasons or excuses for behavior um towards the end of my drinking i i just drank whenever you know i, I used to got the off license at half five in the morning think i was cool as hell to uh get an eight pack and drank that before i uh, went to bed about nine in the morning mm. so it, yeah those those sort of rules that um people who drink have it's the same as the amount they sort of like they slide on that scale until 
you know, they start drinking at 11 o'clock and then 10 o'clock and then mm. before work and then at lunchtime at work and then maybe at work and the hip flask and stuff like that. And yeah, alcohol can warp your, um, warp your mind of what is and isn't acceptable. Mm. And unfortunately, I think the addict part of um, people's brains, it wants the easy life, which is for you to stay at home, rotting and cabbaging and do no work and no effort, nothing to improve yourself um because it's easy whereas you know living life and doing life well is hard man <laughs> you'll know that as like athletes or you know boxing um enthusiast trainers and stuff like that to get to the levels you need to get at you can't do it by sitting on your couch but it, it's i know we did a free day every weekday half 10 to half 11 for mixed mixed classes and women's only half limbs half 12. But we did it that time, so if you are waking up with a hangover or you're feeling rough, you can still get yourself together, but come then, and hopefully then, it's prolonging the booze, the drugs, the whatever, and when you've done something positive, then you're less likely to throw it all away, and if you do, at least you've done something positive. Hmm. And like we were saying earlier, about, like you were saying about one of your friends, uh, when they're having bouts of anxiety, and they're saying like, um, but I haven't achieved anything, and just well, have you got up today? Yeah. Have you brushed your teeth today? Yeah. Have you had a wash today? Did you go to the gym today? Yeah, but I didn't do much. But you did go, didn't <laughs> yeah. you? And you are getting better. And you you did have a sandwich before or hour after or you have fed the cat. And all these little things, they are achievements. And to you, they might not seem anything, but they're massive achievements when you're going through the funk. And to you, they're nothing but someone going, well, I wish I could have got up and brushed my teeth today. I wish I could have had the courage to get on the bus to go to boxing. I wish, you know, and then yeah. simple things. Ain't that simple to someone else? Exactly. Um, it's sometimes um, strange what we take for granted, isn't it? With even mm -hmm. something as like hygiene or, you know, wearing clean clothes or getting on a bus surrounded by other people or going to the shop. Some people unable to do that some people will be at home with uh getting everything delivered and stuff like that because that's that's the safe space and covid hasn't helped has it with people with isolation and not wanting to go out and then that sort of like bred fear didn't it of mm -hmm. other people and yeah it's that's one of the things that um just straight talks new project platform is going to be really good for is and the, the project pump pumps for loneliness in um Coesley built a lovely community. I was um, I was at their men's session today, which is, uh, yeah, just men's activities and uh, just playing snooker with a few lads from Coesley, just getting them out of the house when they're normally, or for years would have just stayed at home um, on their own. So yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, I've, yeah, like in how's Owen, um, Eileen at um, WCVS, yeah, she sends like a timetable of everything that happens in a week and yeah, if I wasn't working, I'd probably go to all the activities that they've got on in community centres and craft groups and, you know, yeah. social clubs and stuff like that. There's, there's a lot out there. And yeah. someone come and he said the, um, the opposite of addiction is connection. Yeah, I like that. Uh, when you're connecting to different organisations, to ex-addicts, to like-minded souls, then we're having something to connect over. We can share experiences, we can share our times, we can show our knowledge. But when we're connecting with people, 
by Peter's Lego, we connect and we we form something bigger and stronger than ourselves. Yeah, I like that, and uh, the possibilities are endless, aren't they? When you put yourself out there with yeah, like-minded pieces and pieces that fit, and if pieces you know don't fit straight away, then you work together to try and make it. So you know, we're all part of this community, and yeah, we should try and work together to make it the best possible community we can. So what big thing, I mean, what, you know, on about alcohol, because I heard something the other month there on about putting, you know, on the cigarette boxes, where you can't have any packaging and all this, you know, and then there's rotten lungs and dead babies. <laughs> I don't think that puts anyone off cigarettes, personally. And they're on about putting this on to alcohol bottles. What's your feelings on it? Do you think it would? Or? Would it have put you off? No. Um, and if I was a drinker, um, I'd have just said, they can't scare me, I'm going to drink anyway. It's my mm. right, it's my body, I don't care. You know, I'm I'm healthy, I've got good genes, that's not going to happen to me, I'll do it anyway. Because a lot of addicts get into the mind, of, the mind frame of, don't try and tell me what to do. So if their mm. partner tells them they need to stop or their job coach or doctor tell them they need to stop, it has the opposite effect. Mm. So, yeah, it could make them drink more, to be honest, unfortunately. However, like, out of character that seems, or however peculiar, it's like, you know you're going to die from it, but, yeah, don't tell me. I'll make my own decision. Only the person... You never really think you are going to, do you? No, I've never... Not till you're at that point. Yeah, and not everyone is able to have the epiphany. We've got in the boxing ring, and you never go in that boxing ring and think I'm going to die. But actually, there is a chance you're going to. And I've never met anyone who goes, I'm going to be an addict. It's always, I've got this, I've got an angle on it from heroin to booze to cigarettes you know whatever gambling whatever you never go i'm gonna start off and this is really gonna mess me up man you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it all starts off with the best intentions doesn't and it's, it? yeah, i'm just having a dabble and pff, i've got this you know and it won't get me it's got everyone else but i can stop any time i want when i was uh 18 at uni my uh my parents bought me a crate of beer 24 pack so what have you bought me that for it stayed under my bed for the first six months yeah I just had no no need for it and you know that would have lasted a day mm. um you know four years ago so just yeah how, how the mind can slowly um alter based on what you put into it and stuff i suppose based on who you're around because no and no yeah, day you drank that and you was in that party move around people who would more than likely drinking as well and there's no you know that's not that's what you do at that age isn't it but some people don't know, like Kev said, don't know when they're addicted to it and carry on. Yeah, I'm, I've definitely got an addictive personality, but um, my part of that, which I use now, is I'm addicted to being sober and all the benefits that come with it. Like, I'm addicted to trying to run in fast. I'm addicted to trying to do something in every hour of my day, really. Apart from, I give myself one hour to watch episodes of the Big Bang Theory or Friends at home <laughs> to uh, to wind down after a day's work. But like, yeah, at the moment I'm I'm doing all my running, so putting about forty kilometres a week in or something like that. I'm doing a university degree. I'm working full time. Um, I do book reviewing, so uh, yeah, I get free books from publishers to try and review books early to build up hype around them and stuff like that. Mm. So every hour that um, I have I, I try and do something apart from about one a day um, and that's that's what I'm addicted to I'm addicted to not wasting time I guess because essentially I 
I went to bed 24 and worked up 33. I was like, well, the world's changed a lot. Mm. I had to reprogram my brain, seriously. I had no idea how things worked. I, something that might be worth mentioning and I've noted with some of my participants is, and I don't know if you'll notice this, um, if you come across these sort of people, I don't know if it's correlated, but um, people who struggle with alcoholism tend to have either no phones or really crap phones. And I don't know if that's because alcohol is very clever in trying to keep them away from their friends or family. But I didn't have a phone for three years and I burnt all my bridges and I had no way to reach out and ask for help. Mm. And at least half of my participants have the really bad old phones where you have to like type three letters to put something in. Mm. And when you're drunk, they make a hell of a lot of mess when you're trying to send something across. So I don't know if on some level, um, self-sabotage but in another way as well like secondary to or it's a cost that's not needed pardon or a cost that's not needed yeah you know if you're spending exactly yeah. 40 50 pound on a new phone contract that can be spent on yeah booze. and i think like we sort of about talked about like you know people cleaning their teeth and uh wins like that and self-betterment i think like if someone's struggling um if they were to Instead of buying eight eight cans of beer, buy, I don't know, six cans and a toothbrush or six cans and a protein shake. By doing that, they can go to bed 1% better because they've had protein they wouldn't have had otherwise. Or they've not got ready to clean their teeth today, but they've got the tough paste there ready. So they're making small positive steps and slowly um, going back to the addict voice in the head um, and saying, yeah, I'm still drinking, but, you know, I'm trying to better myself. Um, because I think one of the ways to overcome the addict's voice is to um, stand up to it, acknowledge it, but also to say, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm making changes here. And, mm. This yeah, is a win. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And the more that you do that, um, the more the voice in your head that tells you to drink gets quieter. Like when I started um, to sober up, I'd say I was about like 10 days in. And the voice in my head would be like, do you remember all these things you've done wrong? Do you remember like how you've messed up? Do you remember how you're worthless and how you, all your friends hate you and you scared your families away and you did this with like blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. But I've done 10,000 steps today. I've been on this run. I've eaten this today. I've checked in with my friend who I haven't seen for years. I've done this today. I've gone to bed a better person. I don't need to drink. And every time you had uh, or I had... Um, a list of things that I'd achieved to go back to the addict's voice in my head. Every time you acknowledge it, say, yes, I understand what you're saying. However, I've done this, 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 and this drinking won't make this better. It gets smaller and but my, my voice has disappeared. I, I don't have the addict's voice. If anything, I've got the addict's voice. It's now integrated in me as my competitive edge, mm -hmm. but there's no temptation or cravings for drinking at all. That's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. It is. And it's a good way of, of seeing it because no doubt everyone who's well, not even people who are stopping drinking, anyone who's an addict, not an addict, you all have that voice, don't you? Yeah, that yeah, tells yeah. you yeah, that you're you know, points out everything that's kind of wrong and you have to yeah. stop and go, actually this is what's this is what's really happening. Two of the best things I did um to help make that voice quieter was um I forgave myself for the past because I could have controlled it. So I got rid of the ball and chain. And, you know, I said, as, as mentioned, I'm going to go to bed a better person every day. There might be some people in my past who only 
remember me by or define me by what I've done in my past. I can't control that, so don't focus on it. I can only control on what I'm doing today and who I want to become. And if I've got good intentions and I try and be honest and I try and be credible, I try and be trustworthy, I try and have a good impact on the community, then, you know, as I believe it and try and stay honest, 90, 90 plus percent of people are going to be on my side and the 10% who aren't were never good for me anyway. Mm. Yeah, and hopefully you can change those people's perspective when they see that you're doing well. Hopefully. Not um, everyone, but you, you you know, no doubt people will. Not everyone's going to like you, are No, no, that's just, it doesn't matter whether you've drank a day in your life or not, it's, some people just aren't going to. I mean, I'm a, I'm a massive introvert. I could happily be sober, stay at home and never tell anyone I am. I'd happily play Mario Kart <laughs> um, at home sober. But I think, like, to almost prove to my past self and to prove to the addict's voice and to prove to the people who doubted me, I, I do put on Facebook or uh, on my Instagram the, the things I'm doing, like almost a catalogue or a diary of achievements that I've had. And I am scanning back and being like, oh, I did that, did that, that's cool. Did the Wolves 10K in 47 minutes, you know, that's not bad, you know, that's, that's cool going. And it's a reminder as well of what I lose if I drink. So... Mm. Um, and I've had a few people reach out to me, like, uh, this isn't in a professional capacity, but in a like friendship capacity, just on Facebook and stuff saying, yeah, you helped me sober up or, you know, I saw that you did it and all due respect, you were an absolute mess. <laughs> so mm -hmm. the fact that like, you were able to, I believe that, you know, I could and like talking about family as well. My, um, my brother had a problematic relationship with drinking. Uh, he's been sober for a year now as well. And he's, uh, He's big on the fitness, and whereas I'm big on the running, he's he's got into like uh, strength, and he's he's looking, yeah. <laughs> so he's doing well, and uh, just like to give a shout out to my sister as well, who's uh, awesome. She's a uh, touchwood escape the uh, the addict uh, addict gene, and uh, yeah, she's lovely. And to my, my niece Annabelle, who's about ten months old, I'll like say hello as well. If she listens back to this when she's older, like uh, only listen to this part because the other stuff is quite sad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> well, it's been brilliant, bro. Thank you ever so much for coming yeah. on. All good, talking about it. And if you have any other ventures, always come back on and we'll always give you a shout out. But before you go, sure, have you got any quotes or sayings that have helped you get through life or helps you through this part of your life? Yeah, um, there's, there was never actually um, a direct cause or reason of why I sobered up there's about five or six things that happened at the same time that just sort of like aligned but um I read an article that said something like um for people who have the sort of mind that you do as an addict there's three three possibilities um you can either die go insane or quit and I didn't like the first two options so I quit mm. and you said there was no catalyst for you stopping drink there's a few things like i am um, the last say 10 times i went out one of them probably was probably fun and seven or eight of them was a nightmare like um last few times i i woke up in a pool on my own blood once mm -hmm. um which wasn't very nice and another time i was picked up by a dude in the pub and carried across the whole pub which is probably the length of your gym downstairs and thrown out through the door and i think there was a realization of next time you might not wake up mm. and i think it was that mixed with 
the quote and I think was it Kobe Bryant the basketball player who yeah. passed away I remember thinking sitting in my couch and being like look at what he achieved and his life was just taken away from him you know what have you achieved James and you know you're still here that's that's not fair you know you have to do something and I think like that those three things probably mixed with another couple of things um yeah were were the reasons and can I just give you one last quick thing before we shoot off about yeah, yeah. um about the strangeness of like um decisions having lasting impacts um the third day that I was sober um I drank alcohol free beers because it helped me and um, the third day by mistake I picked up actual beers by mistake it was um Pearl and Backer from Lidl and I had like that much of it yeah. and um I looked to my dad and I was like, oh man, I really wanted to be sober this time. I've actually had some alcohol, you know, does that mean I have to go back to day one? And my dad said, no, you didn't, you didn't know you were drinking. You don't have to go back to day one. Um, if he'd have said, yes, you've drank, you have to go back to day zero. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd have been sober. So in that split decision, although my dad passed away, he probably saved my life. That's a little bit I think, no, because yeah. it, it is so right. It's like, and I say this a lot, like when you're back in the facts, or, and it's, uh, oh, I've gone three weeks or not. I've had one now. That's, but you, you had 21 days with not smoking. So mm. focus on the 21 days, not the one night that you've had 10 facts. Yeah. Just go, all right, then, but today I'm stopping again. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up for when you fall off the wagon, you, you mess up. Focus on when you haven't. You've given your body a much necessary like healing time during those twenty-one days or what, and you've all, you've got tools now to, you know, stick it out a bit longer and to uh, to win again next time. And isn't it funny? I think it's rather touching. Oh, I'll think about your dad. Because uh, then kind of things repeat on my mind. <laughs> but he hadn't got the strength to save himself. But he, in that just that little saying it as you say saved your life because if you'd have gone ah well you know then you go all right then and you, you drink all them beers and you because you're back on it yeah you go to the show and then who knows if you'd have had the strength the next day i don't don't know and instead i said oh there you go dad you've got five beers i went up the road and bought me some more alcohol free beers and i haven't drank since mm. you know but on just a flipping conversation could have changed the you know the course of your life exactly and you know I'm in this career and I've helped, you know, maybe 50 to 100 people improve their lives just and already stems on that one thing, essentially. And Mm. yeah, I just think like every decision we make, uh, you know, can have an impact on the direction our lives go. And yeah, that one definitely could have gone either way. And just be aware of how you talk with people as well, isn't it? Mm where you talk because your your words whether you mean them kind unkind it doesn't really matter sometimes people perceive them differently yeah that's been going with the best intentions mm. and trying you know vibe good energy and since i've sobered up i can also like tell when something isn't quite right when you know someone's probably in the wrong frame of mind at a bus stop always arguing with themselves where normally i'd have gone oh man what's the problem um I just, I just leave them to it because I, I don't want to put myself in dangerous scenarios because I care for myself and the people I'm helping. You said that good instinct, that that voice, that feeling sort of keeps us safe, doesn't it? Going like, don't go over there because he's going to kick off. Well, don't go over there because 
they're having a domestic or but when we're pissed you know ah, it'll be all right exactly and we go against that voice going don't do it don't do it ah. <laughs> Well, Next you, thing you know, boom, something's happened. Well, you know, I said to you that this is the second time I've been in this area. Mm. Um, the first time was um, I was running under the canal bridge, I said to you earlier, mm. and um, I looked up and there were three lads and I was like, they're going to throw something at me. So I ran out from under the bridge like four times faster. Mm. And um, lo and behold, if I'd have ran at the same pace, there was a glass smash behind me. Mm. So that was my gut instinct telling me, if you run at that pace, you're going to, you're going to, die or you're going to get hit with something so i trust in my gut i went out and yeah but we as people we go against that every good order not ever had <laughs> is when i've bought now you'll be yeah you're not you mate with me yeah you're right to me with you but you know you better than anyone don't you mm. and, and so, i think sometimes you want to see the good in people don't you that that won't actually yeah happen. yeah you're being because the fine line of being paranoid as well. Yeah, there is. Because if you always listen to that voice, you don't do anything. What do I get hurt? And it's at what point does the fear of getting hurt outweigh safety? Mm. Oh, yeah, boxing or relationships. Oh, I, I could get my heart broken. At what point is it worth the risk? But you know that as well, it's don't a fine you? Fine line, isn't it? Like uh, because if uh, if you go too far one way, then you're the person who doesn't leave the house. Mm. Yeah so yeah so I, I i trust my gut and now that i'm seeing clearly i i think i i'm making much much better decisions and i've mentioned to everyone including my boss like uh if i was drinking i wouldn't be trustworthy to do this job and that's one of the reasons that i stay sober because i want to keep doing this uh you know meeting good contacts uh, such as your good selves and yeah i mean i'm doing i've been doing talks recently to like 30 people at job centers in the morning and stuff like that telling them about my projects and the departments of the nhs and stuff like that and you know to me i'm just some guy who stopped drinking I, i'm like why do people want to listen but you know it's it's quite cool in in a sense your thought changes after a period of time it, you know whatever you're packing in the weed or drugs or booze again you're not going to feel normal your intoxicated self has become the normal you need a while to sober up to get over the the, the night terrors the night switch the anxious the anxiety the depression the loss the you need that bit to start feeling how your brain is actually supposed to think it's rewiring itself like um, a lady i spoke to the other day she said uh you know i've sobered up but i've been i've been really teary and I said to her, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that as a bad thing. You know, your emotions haven't been, you know, acting as they should for a while. Mm. You crying is probably just your body getting used to being mm. wired the way it should be. So take that as a good sign that the alcohol is losing its influence on you. And she's like, I hadn't considered that. Thank you. And you know, whether it's right or wrong, she left that conversation in a, in a much better sense of with a much better sense of well-being so so one of my mates he lost his dad the other week and we were saying like you know you, you drink to forget about it but you don't actually forget about it you answers it you blank out you blank out at some sex you drink that much but in that like that session of 10 15 20 beers whatever you're drinking and you go like from oh laughing to oh angry to maybe having a cry and sometimes all of them 
at the same time, you could be having on one can, you're punching the wall, having a cry for punching the wall, <laughs> and laughing about yourself because you've got blood on the wall, and you're going, oh, and but for them, three extreme emotions can happen over a can. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not safe, like surfing that sort of like uh levels, really. No, because it's extremes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then you wake up the next day and, and saw thinking what the yeah, hell's happened here. It's not actually solved anything because the person still passed away and you're still feeling grief, but now you feel ill in yourself and you're not able to tackle the, the scenarios life gives you, so you've got another excuse to drink. Mm. But that becomes the the pattern then, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. So there's always a reason to drink. I, I went to um, an Al Anon meeting, which Al Anon, I will admit, it's amazing. I, I didn't know it until recently. Al Anon is a, like a, a sister organization to Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm. Al Anon is for the families of an addict. Oh, yeah. So they, families, so loved ones or children of an addict go and basically talk about the the addict or the um, the alcoholic and they get support from other people in the room who are love and addict as well so that's um not to get them on really, i think that's great yeah really because brilliant i can imagine there's some resentment as well isn't there to whether you want to be kind of like what we spoke about before when someone passes from suicide mm. um there's that resentment that why didn't they speak to me and i can imagine it's kind of similar with an alcoholic yeah that you you, you know you it's well, it'd be mixed emotions, wasn't it? But yeah, that like, how do I get how do I get myself through this? Of someone who's trying to support someone with I love the man he was, kind of thing, yeah. or I love the you know, what I mean, and I stay with him out of loyalty, but I want him back. Or oh, how do I help? How, how do, do I help? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, sort of self care for them because they're so frustrated with the um, the drinker that they're then acting out to character, so they're mm. trying to assess, like, well, who am I becoming because of this explosive cocktail of my family life and that and yeah um, afterwards i'll maybe give you the guys or i'll email you the guys number because fantastic it was yeah. really they invited me down and it was really really good to see and i didn't even know it existed and it would have been helpful i think say it again al anon so shortened to al from yeah. alcoholics anonymous and they're affiliated so they follow the 12 steps and stuff but uh yeah really helpful well, brilliant, bro. Well, thank you ever so much once again for coming on. Always a pleasure, my friends. It's race by again. Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll be in touch. So, guys, thank you as always. Until we see each other next time, I want you all to take care of yourselves and each other. Drive it. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you'd like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta-ra-ra-bit. Listen, listen.